one of my biggest frustrations about all of this is that, you know, it's so easy for people to frame this as it was either an irresponsible human or bad automation. And it's that sort of simple dichotomy. And, and what the NTSB investigations show is that it's not that simple. It's, it, it's, it's literally both. Hello and welcome to the Atonicast. I'm Kirsten Korosek, Transportation Editor at TechCrunch. And I'm Ed Niedermeyer. I'm the Communications Director at Partners for Automated Vehicle Education and the author of Ludicrous, the Unvarnished Story of Tesla Motors. And I'm Alex Roy, the founder of the Human Driving Association, producer uh, of Apex, Secret Race Across America, and Director of Special Operations at Argo AI, which I do not represent on this show. Um, however, I do represent um, I guess the the uh, the Miami chapter of the iRobot owner of every product they make club. I just bought the top of the line iRobot Roomba S9 Plus. This thing is you know the the th- I mean it's I think it's the most popular r- robot like autonomous thing you can buy as a consumer. And I the next day bought <laughs> the Brava top-of-the-line iRobot autonomous mopping unit. And these two things can both be accessed on the same app. If you want to learn about the future of the autonomous vehicle sector, and I don't care if you're Waymo or Neuro, who you are, you need to own these things. Kirsten, have you ever used a Roomba or Brava? No, I have not. Edward? You know what? I haven't. Um, I've been, sort of the last year or so, I've actually been increasingly fantasizing about having one, though. It's, we need, like, partners for autonomous cleaning robot education. <laughs> or you should just open up, like, a sub-office for home robotics. Like, I mean, or TechCrunch. I mean, Kirsten, you're, you're, you're the person, you're the honcho there. Who is the expert at TechCrunch on home automation and robots. Well, Brian Heater is our uh, our hardware editor and he has done a ton on robotics and in fact he's had the inventor of the Roomba on our stage before. So he's Rodney Brooks or is there who the other person? I think so. Yeah, he's been at a robotics event and um no, Brian's awesome. Like he knows a t- he follows all the robotics stuff, including home. So I can we, can we have him on Atonicast sometime because I've got yeah. questions. And I, uh, I, I find that iRobot comms has got there's somebody replying over there to my tweets. But the, what's so fascinating is uh, you, you see functionalities in the Roomba and Brava that don't exist in a Tesla or anyone else's vehicles. And I've been in a Waymo, like, and I ride in the Argo vehicles. And yet there are still oversights. And I'll give you just one. We don't. Have, we can spend another episode talking about this. But this is really fascinating. If you have a Roomba and a Brava, you connect them to the iRobot app. And uh, obviously, there's an optimal sequence of, of events between vacuuming and mopping. And there is a way to link the two devices together. So it will vacuum first, then mop. One will wait for the other, which is great. But if one of your autonomous robots maps your house room by room, okay, it does not share that map with the other device. Each device has to go out and map your home independently. And it's very weird that like from a product standpoint, behind the scenes, they wouldn't create a single map of your house. And of course, there's a lot of analogies to what happens in, you know, the self-driving sector. And anyway, 
another episode, but a lot to think about here. And I, I'd recommend to anyone um, who has, uh, who's willing to set $1,000 on fire or $1,300 on fire to buy both these devices because there's more to it. There are competitors that are cheaper that have LiDAR on their home cleaning devices. You feel like LiDAR is needed in home cleaning? It depends whom you ask, and there's different things at stake. And I, I have a column coming up about this. Uh, where do you think I do? I compare my remote to my Tesla. But I'm going to write a series of columns about home automation and robots because um, these devices, iRobot apparently does not believe in LiDAR for their units. Um, I think it's because they started you know, de- a long time ago and LiDAR was expensive and big and just didn't fit on a home robot. Today, I suppose it could. And there are cheaper units that have LiDAR. The, the benefit, obviously, is mapping accuracy. Um, these devices in, use uh, a, a combination of what's called SLAM and other forms of mapping. Some of them create maps. Some just go out trial and error. But there's nothing at stake because there's no traffic that you can impede. There's no like efficiency problem because they go back and charge themselves. So we should cover that in another episode. But it's been a real eye opener about like just the convenience of having a product that does a lot of things in, in a way better than any autonomous vehicle service I've used. Um, from opening the app to where it goes, what it does, what to expect to troubleshooting and submitting um, error reports. This thing is light years ahead of Tesla. Like, if, let me tell you, Dyson never had a chance in self-driving cars. But if iRobot wanted to take on Neuro or Tesla, it'd kill them. Just, just, uh, question. They so might does it actually <laughs> clean the floors. Oh, well, that, I, I, who, who cares? Well, that's how you got it. Um, uh, you know, my <laughs> this has been another episode of Alex Roy's consumer advice. Yeah, like, why do you buy expensive stuff that doesn't work? We buy a watch to tell the time. No, um, no, uh, I am. I would say I am. Uh, what's the word? I'm future signaling by having them use these in my house. Sure, but does it actually? clean the floor and mop the floor? Like, is your clean, is your floor clean as a result of these things moving around? Let's save that for the full. I don't know. I hear the sound. I want you to get up right now. I want you to get up right now. Take a uh, paper towel, wet paper towel and move, go across your floor and then show it to me. And uh, is it clean? The next Atonicast I'll record from the kitchen where the devices are, and I'll I'll, I'll do that. Um, it's a mystery, and to be honest with you, I'm not sure that I care. Uh, I like the sound of vacuuming, is, <laughs> and um, and I hear the sound companionship. Maybe there there is something to it, and like Intuition Robotics, uh, you know, they've clearly figured this out. Do we need company? I mean, robot dogs are coming. Hey, let's move on to this episode of the Atonicast. Yeah, and uh, we have it's a, another day and another um, Tesla situation. Uh, and this one, another day, another Tesla fatality. Uh, y- yes, a double fatality. Um, and just to kind of level set on this, I you know I I had some tweets like kind of blow up a little bit more than than my tweets usually do. So maybe I'm getting kind of a skewed perspective on me on too. This. Does it does it seem like? This is like things are a little different, like that that this is not really that they're, they're sort of the stakes seem higher somehow now than they have in past Tesla fatality. I think that the the circumstances and the end result of the crash, which wasn't the fact that the two people, no one was behind the the um, behind the wheel. Yeah. So clearly the 
um, advanced driver assistance system was being misused. Um, and there's lots to on that end right there. I think that's received a lot of attention. Plus the fact that these people burned alive inside. Right. Um, and I think that just the, the dramatics of that crash, um, it feels actually kind of like the Josh Brown one in a way because of the attention it's receiving. Whereas some of the other ones just have not received the same amount of attention. Yeah. Well, I have a question, Kirsten. Uh, I, I also assumed that autopilot, uh, the driver's system system was engaged. Um, Several people have pointed out there's no evidence and obviously Musk denied it, but I have as a Tesla owner um, talked to, a few other Tesla owners who are not crazy fans about how, how one might have engaged the um, radar crews or, and, or uh, autopilot, which adds auto steer and not been in that seat. And uh, we've also discussed how autopilot may have been engaged on a road, which does not necessarily have standard lane lines. And it it seems to us that there is actually, there's a non-zero chance (laughs) that those systems were engaged that one could bypass all the safety interlocks. Um, and of course, my agenda here is I believe that a real driver monitoring system would have prevented this. What do you think the is, go, is going to come out? Or do you have any additional information uh, that I've okay. missed? I think it's all, I mean, I think it's going to be speculative for any of us to weigh in, but why not? Hey, um, I think that what is going to happen is that for one, there are more people who own Teslas today than did when Josh Brown died. Great point. And so as a result, as we all know, when you have a product that you like or even love, when things happen, you pay attention to it. So I think there's going to be lots of opinions. Already have been. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think there'll be a, and a lot more. And, you know, there's no denying that, that these two individuals, unfortunately, did something really suboptimal. Inadvisable. Correct. Sub, suboptimal. Um, and the I'm sure that the company line will be in, in what uh, the company's lawyers will will say is that it's clearly stated that you need to use this. Um, you know, you have to you have to be um, behind the wheel. We don't in any way, you know, condone, et cetera, et cetera, behavior. And then it is clearly stated, as you know, Alex. Um, but unfortunately, that is in direct conflict with the culture that has been supported and really, quite honestly, like championed in a lot of ways by its um, CEO. And Musk has never said, go sit in the back seat, right? But he doesn't, he, he creates a culture in which and confidence in his product in which um, I think it could be argued by um, any attorney on the other side that it's, it's uh, promoting irresponsible use. Yeah. So, so, okay. So we have three NTSB investigations so far into fatalities involving autopilot. And in all of those, right. Like the, the, you know, it was a, it was that interaction of the human and the automation. And I think one of my biggest frustrations about all of this is that 
you know, it's so easy for people to frame this as it was either an irresponsible human or bad automation. And it's that sort of simple dichotomy. And, and what the NTSB investigations show is that it's not that simple. It's, it, it's, it's literally both, right? It's, it's design flaws. So the lack of, of um, operational design domain limits. So that allows people to operate the system outside uh, uh, where it's designed to be safe for. Um, and then, and then the lack of, as Alex mentioned, camera, uh, based driver monitoring, um, and and that those sort of design elements, uh, you know, contribute or encourage or allow the uh, the irresponsible use. I think what's really interesting about this case is that it's not we can't, it, it's not like those three cases NTSB has investigated in the sense that um, you know these people set out to kind of operate this thing like it's an autonomous vehicle rather than sort of being behind the wheel and sort of maybe over time as they got more comfortable and their trust level uh, rose sort of just, you know, being inattentive, like there's a, there's a real difference there. And so it's easier now, I think in this case to say these people were just being irresponsible, but I think that, that also this, this sort of transition from sort of, you know, uh, uh, just sort of inattention that happens in the course of, of using the system to, to something that's more like, let's see if this car can drive itself with, with nobody in the driver's seat. I think this is where you know the 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 one element that actually NTSB hasn't touched on at all uh, comes into play, and that's the autonomy washing piece. It's it's and you guys just alluded to this, but like that confidence that Musk projects and encourages in this system, and just the constantly sort of saying like, you know, Teslas are about to drive themselves, and and you know people are getting updates all the time, and and do they have a good understanding of where the system really is? No, so they have to rely on on the things that Musk and Tesla, and frankly, these influencers, which I agree, Tesla does not rein in. Tesla, you know, lays into, I mean, they've basically defamed me on their blog when I wrote something that was factually accurate, but they didn't like it. But when people are out there taking TikToks and and all these things, you know, Tesla could really shut this stuff down. I mean, not completely, right? People can always do dumb social media content, but like Tesla could be doing so much more to shut this stuff down. And so they encourage it because the whole point of all of this is to make Tesla appear like a leader in autonomous drive technology. So if I may just sit, sum up Ed's, your point of view is basically um, if you live by um, media, you die by media. These exaggerated claims, they cut both ways. Exactly. And they cut both ways. You know, uh, all of this comes down to me for the, the predictable abuse element. The Tesla stands have, you know, they've changed tactics over the course of 48 hours. Now they're moved into, it couldn't be autopilot, and these people bypass all the safety interlocks. And here's all the reasons it was 100%, that, you know, uh, personal responsibility. But predictable, under predictable abuse, you know, if you combine predictable abuse with um, the overstatement and exaggeration of capabilities or the perceived overstatement, you know, and exaggerated capabilities, you end up with two guys, and this is pure speculation, but... I think this is how it's going to go down. One guy says to the other, you know, you should buy a Tesla. Mine's amazing. It works so well. I mean, I think it's, we're almost, we're like one update away. You wouldn't believe how awesome it is. And uh, come check it out. It's so good. You should sit in the back. Are you sure? Yeah, it'll be safer. Anything goes wrong. I'll sit in in the front, hold my beer. And then, and I just, you know, play with this in my own Tesla. Yeah. You can, if you, if you latch the belt over an empty seat and then sit in the seat and then get the car rolling and then engage autopilot, you know, a, you know radar cruise plus uh, auto steer, you can get out of that seat. Well, we have evidence and of that because um, there's that 
son and daughter or the, the son and the mom with a full on video shoot of him doing that um, in the highway and like pretending to take a nap in the back and the mom videoing him the whole time. So no, it's possible. Yeah. And I think that's, to me, that's one of the, the things that just makes like both Musk now and, and, and sort of his, you know, defense militia, uh, it, it, they're just not credible because they're saying, you know, no, it couldn't possibly have been autopilot. And yet we have a huge number, a huge amount of evidence in just, just on YouTube alone that a uh, autopilot can be activated from the seat. The whole seat sensor meme, which was like for a couple hours yesterday was like the explanation, like, no, that's not in any way connected to autopilot. It's for, it's for airbags. And that's all that it's connected to. Um, but we have evidence that it can be used with someone uh, not in the driver's seat, as Alex just sort of mentioned. There's lots of videos of this. But then also there's lots of uh, uh, of evidence that uh, autopilot can either sort of identify things that are not lane lines as lane lines and therefore be able to be activated or even, you know, and, and this could be like a crack in the road. This could even be like gutter lines and, and um you know, certain kinds of curbs and things like that. So, so like this definitive, like, no, it couldn't possibly have been autopilot because there were no lane lines, like, and, and, and there was no one in the seat. Like, no, it's not true. That doesn't prove that it, that autopilot definitely was active, but it also doesn't disprove it. Well, I, I guess, I guess the other way to argue this is to say, okay, let's just, let's just lay out what would have had, how they would have had to do it without autopilot engaged. Okay. <laughs> So that they would have had to do, they would have had to at least had adaptive crews on because otherwise the, the vehicle would have slowed down before the person got to the back of the seat because of, of um, regenerative braking and things like that. As soon as you take your foot off the accelerator, it will just slow down on you. So some sort of adaptive crews had to be engaged. That's minimum because they there it would have been physically impossible. But I guess you could say someone could be in the passenger seat, someone could be in the back seat with their arms over the back seat, holding the steering wheel with the adaptive cruise. That's possible. Suppose you know that that you could argue that. But anything short of that, there's no way that like Elon's such a big fan of physics. Explain the physics of someone jumping out of the front seat into the back seat before the car decelerates to a stop or to the, the, the front passenger. So one person was in the front passenger seat. The other person was in right. the, in the well, rear or passenger jumping seat. In the back seat or jumping into the passenger seat before the vehicle essentially like, you know, just slows down. Um, if you, anyone who drives a Tesla knows that if you are just driving it without any of the assistive features on it and you take your foot off of the accelerator, it, the regenerative braking kicks in and so it slows itself down. So explain that argument to me. So then it slowed down to five miles an hour and they burned alive in a fiery crash. No, it was was something here. I mean, you had my Tesla for months, Kirsten, so you know what you're talking about. You know, you could engage autopilot and then jerk the wheel, disable auto steer, but the, uh, but the uh, radar cruise is still active. The other thing which uh, I've experienced more than once is if you um, if you engage, uh, I, mean, I guess you could engage the system while in the seat and then get out of the seat. And in the course of getting out of the seat, you could tug the wheel, disable auto steer, but the radar cruise is still engaged and it could be accelerating. And at that point, 
you're in, and you've got from 16 to 18 seconds from initiation of autopilot to the first nag. So you have, there are windows here into which is a non-zero chance that something happened. And by the way, if you look at the history of automation in aircraft, Airbus flight 447, trained people in semi-automated systems can get confused about the interplay of multiple semi-automated functionalities. And here you have even very good systems. Uh, and autopilot used optimally is a good system, but it's got holes. And I, these people literally, I think, went right through them. Mm-hmm. So let's let's assume that autopilot was active, right? Because I think the evidence generally points, right? Like the, the, the most plausible scenario, I think, if you just look at it reasonably, is that is that these guys were right? They, they there was witnesses saying that they came, they left dinner, and were talking about autopilot and its like advanced capabilities, and they wanted to like they were going to do it, demonstrate it, basically. So it it seems like like it's very plausible. So, but then there's a question beyond that, right? Like even if you assume okay, autopilot was active, and these people were where they were ultimately found. Actually, one of the big questions is where that you know did they have seatbelts on, right? If they had seatbelts on. And and the investigators are very positive that these people were in the seats that they were found. So it, presumably they probably have seatbelts on. But but again, even if you accept all of that, I, I that. Okay, well, <laughs> even if you accept all of that, and again, we don't know, like we'll find out. Um, you know, I think there's right, the argument is then then becomes, I think, from for the Tesla defenders and Musk, um, becomes, you know, why did they do this? Like we tell them not to do this, we tell them not to do this. And 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 that's why, and and to me, as someone who wants to see, you know, I, I genuinely think that like this is a an issue that needs to be addressed uh at the regulatory level. It's just my personal view, because I think it is a, a serious issue. And I think that just blaming victims uh isn't isn't acceptable. But the question is, you know, and again, like like Josh Brown, uh, uh Walter Huang, Jeremy Banner, these folks were behind the wheel, you know, operating the system and they kind of became inattentive over time. Like I think you know, the defense is going to be, you know, these guys were using in a way that they, it should have been obvious to them was, was unsafe. And I think that it becomes very hard then to, to do anything regulatorily um, about this specific problem. And I don't think, and my view is that it's not that regulators should try and solve the specific problem that, that, that happened in this Houston crash. I think that they should solve the problems that NTSB identified in those other three fatalities, where the people, where the, the driver was behind the wheel and they still died. Um, and if they did do that, then this crash could never have happened either. My final thoughts on this topic are: there's driver assistance, and then there's autonomous vehicles. Yep. And uh, woe to you who confuse the two. Uh, that do not like this should not someone's got to clean up this language and the best efforts of the good actors apparently haven't been enough to overcome the sea of nonsense um, spewed by people around uh, this to me, very clear dividing line. Either a vehicle can operate with no one in the driver's seat because there isn't a driver's seat or it can't. And when people try to cross that line in a vehicle, it can't bad stuff happens. Um, let's hear it for real autonomous vehicles, um, which are nothing, which are nothing like this vehicle. And I own one. Yeah. Well, and, and again, I think this is why there's research, you know, that shows that, you know, a company overselling and overhyping a, a, a driver assistance system as being more autonomous than it is. We know that that encourages people 
um, to generally be less attentive when the system is active. But like the thing about Musk is that he keeps creating these situations that are so bizarre. Like they haven't been researched. We don't know, like, you know, anything about, about, you know, what kinds of things he may have said that may have, you know, sort of encouraged this kind of behavior, or was it more just sort of that the influencers are, are recording videos like this, like what all went into these people's heads uh, when they were deciding to do this, I think is now really important, but like hard to figure out. Right. Well, moving on from that, um, Kirsten, well, Kirsten, Kirsten, do you have any final thoughts on the Tesla thing? No, I mean, I think that we'll see how things play out. I mean, I, I, I can predict I, uh, a war between, or a war of words, I should say, on Twitter between you know the 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 Tesla fans who it really doesn't matter what Tesla does, they're always going to defend that company and and it's in their in their god Elon, um, and and that will never end. Um, then there's going to always be like in the political world the people who are sort of fascinated by the cars, but sort of are starting to see problems with the company um with the quality of the system or just the behavior of, of the ceo and the question is are there enough of those people and can they will are they willing enough to you know criticize the company to actually enact change and i'm not so sure i think that the only difference is that maybe people will just continue to drive their Teslas and just be like, yeah, but I don't like the CEO. Um, will it result in them changing companies to another vehicle? And it'd be easy to say, yeah, that's going to happen. But Alex is a good example, right? Like you don't respect necessarily the behavior of the CEO, but you do like the vehicles and I mean, my Tesla, but <laughs> although I mean, I definitely don't. Uh, I was in the car last week, and a uh, a nephew said, "I was saying, I was saying, hey, do you want to go ride for in a self driving car?" And I was referring to a Waymo <laughs> because you know I've got access to the uh, via their app in Phoenix, and he's like, "Oh, but aren't we in your Tesla?" <laughs> and uh, well. Uh, that, you know, and then you, you think about it, like in what universe do kids, eight-year-old kids think Teslas are self-driving? The one where somebody is exaggerating their capabilities doesn't make a lot of sense. But yeah, I love my car. I love my car. Um, right. So my, my point is, is that I don't think that there's going to be any real behavioral change um, because uh, people still do like their vehicles. And, um, you know, maybe... With more EVs coming on the market, hopefully ones that are exciting, um, and that's been the problem, right? Like there's there's lots of EVs, but they don't uh, evoke the same kind of passion and fervor that a Tesla does. And there's a reason; it's it's a really fun vehicle to drive. Um, but I'm not sure if any of the new EVs coming on the market will kind of create that same sort of loyalty, and that maybe Tesla people will switch over. I can't predict that. And, and I, I honestly don't think that that will really happen. I, I think that some people will, but they were going to probably do that anyway. And these types of incidents and crashes aren't necessarily going to blow back on the company. Since you're a famous real, real journalist, <laughs> um, uh, have you been invited to go ride in one of these Xpeng vehicles, the Chinese EV? Um, I, I've been in contact with Xpeng. Um, 
And yeah, I believe I have been invited. Um, I need to look through my millions of emails, but yeah. I would love to hear your take on the XPeng driver assistance because they've been throwing some videos out there and some claims that oh, they've been throwing out lots of claims. Driverless, driverless driver assistance. I think yeah. they use that term. Yeah. And, and that actually, I, I, I think what I hope comes out of this, this Houston crash specifically is a, a cross agency working group between the FTC, NHTSA, um, and maybe like the White House or something. Uh, because listen, I'm, I'm a huge believer in free speech. Uh, and I really think, you know, and the Constitution obviously protects it, but it does not protect saying, for example, yelling fire in a crowded theater. And I think we've reached the point now where it's clear that what companies uh, and influencers say about, uh, you know, sort of uh, autonomous washing, right? Like, like representing things that are not autonomous as autonomous, it leads to real world, you know, deaths. And so I, I think if, if nothing else, it needs to be studied. I'm not saying we should go ahead and, and make the rules. We need to we need to learn a lot more about this whole topic. But I think there needs to be people with, with you know, an understanding of of uh, you know uh, free speech issues, of um, you know uh, false advertising issues, uh, and of the sort of technical you know driving automation issues. Like we need to come together, have a, a multidisciplinary thing to to actually deal with the the autonomous washing part of this because I think it's huge. And 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 the fact that we have a company like XPeng, literally like calling it a driverless driver assistance system, right? Like, well, it, it I, almost can't hope, get more absurd. I hope that you, um, we have a reporter, um, Rita uh, Liao, and she is um, based in China. And she has been helping me, you know, look under the hood, if you will, of, of a lot of these companies. And if you've read her story, um, yeah, they make a lot of claims, but we what we've now and what I'm pushing all my reporters here to do is instead of call it the official name, like, okay, fine. If we call it the official name, but actually describe the features. So what is it that it does? It does this. It does basically adaptive cruise and lane keeping. Um, let's say that, um, yes, it's a little wordy, but it's accurate instead of just leaning on the, um, you know, the official brand name. I, I think that like studying, just to wrap this up, um, studying something, you know, partly I kind of roll my eyes a little bit because it's like another study. There are truth and advertising laws that exist today. And I don't think it's a stretch to say, hey man, like if you don't have a self-driving system, calling it a self-driving system violates the truth and advertising laws that exist. You can't stop YouTubers from talking about it, but you can certainly just push back against companies and how they advertise their product. And we can, you know, to all the Tesla fans out there who say Tesla doesn't advertise. No, they absolutely do. They just rely on their emails and memes and Twitter. Just because it is not through an official advertising company does not mean it's not advertising. Yeah, we could study it or we could just put Liza Dixon in charge. We can make her the, the tonne washing czar. And, yeah. uh, I have the feeling that she would she would clean up shop in a in a yeah, we, we don't effective need, but know, responsible. Like 30 dudes like on a committee, men and women like st- I mean, I, I know what you're saying, Adam kind of giving you a hard time, but like also I think it's pretty it's one of those things where it's like fairly obvious what the issue is. Um 
Yes, yeah. no, I, the, the real issue is that it needs to be something that they can enforce consistently. That's what I think needs to be studied is like, if you're going to draw a line or especially around speech, it's got to be something that is really consistent because otherwise, you know, you, then you do get into, you know, free speech issues. So I think that's what, what we need to understand is like, where exactly do we put this line in a way that can, that we can sort of enforce consistently? One, one final thought. I do think that here's a prediction. I do think that changes in how Tesla has designed a system will not occur because of anything that happens in the United States, mm. but it will because of China. Well, and that's a, that's a really interesting point and things in China look kind of interesting for Tesla, but, but Kirsten, you know, you mentioned um, with the, in the context of the Xpeng thing that you, you're having your writers sort of describe specific features rather than using sort of brand names or like sort of overarching package branding right. or things well, like we that. We might refer and, to it. We might refer to the brand name sure. eventually within the story, but when, sure. when we, we want to initially describe what the features are. So I want to I want to shout out um, because that exact approach is what um, Kelly Funkhauser uh, of Consumer Reports and a bunch of other people from National Safety Council and a bunch of other organizations, including Pava, signed onto it. Um, uh, they created a, a, a standardized nomenclature for driver assistance systems um, that is called Clearing the Confusion. Um, if you you Google it, you will find it. Um, and and basically, what the, the approach that they've done is said, you know we have to break this down into features and then we need to say, you know, you can call the brand, whatever you want to call it, call it, you know, I mean, they're not trying to, you know, fight the fight over. You shouldn't call it autopilot or things like that. They're just saying call the brand, whatever you want. But then within that, you got to label the recipe, the ingredients in the recipe, right? You can call the recipe what you want, label the ingredients. And that's those features that you're talking about. And I think that everyone in the media needs to, first of all, I would love if everyone just adopted their nomenclature. So we have one standard, but at the very least, even if you want to use different terms, when you write about or, or discuss these, these systems, these driver assistance systems, break it down into features because people can understand features. But then as soon as you start agglomerating, you know, conglomerating features together and, and putting slapping a brand name on it, people don't know what the hell you're talking about. Um, and that's, that's where you get problems. Yeah. Don't get me started on blue cruise. <laughs> it's not that bad, is it? Mm. Mm. It says cruise. It doesn't say autonomous, you know, oh, auto. No, it's not autonomous. Accurate. I just think it's a little bit of a silly name, but that no, it's it's not it's not overblown. It's it's you know all of these little names are a little bit silly anyway, because you know, um reading over the sixty-two page press release that Mercedes released on the EQS, like there's everything has a little trademarked brand name and it's you know I don't think we really care that this is called, you know, whatever it's called, active assist slash whatever. Um, it's more we want to know and understand what the features are and how it works. You ran a review of the EQS, right? Or like a first drive kind of thing? Yeah, Tamara Warren. Yeah. What did what did she think? I want to get I want to hear Alex's take on the EQS too. Uh, we can read it. Okay, fine. Alex, what's your take on the EQS? I read it. It was as well written as it could possibly be. However, in 2016, and I, uh, Tamara Warren's really good, and I, I'm glad you have her at TechCrunch. In 2016, I was given a, 
a Mercedes E Class with Drive Pilot, like the the with, I think it was like an eleven or thirteen thousand dollar option at the time. I don't know. Um, it was it had everything, every possible thing. And Mercedes, that was the one they said it was their like self driving E Class take on Tesla. This thing had a uh, a list of things of safety features, and I compared it to the list from the EQS. It's basically the same list. Like there isn't a lot of fresh new functionality in that ADAS and the EQS, uh, or nothing meaningful I could, I could discern. And the language is identical too. the active assist. Um, I, in, in 2016, I was trying to figure out what it did. Like it claimed in the manual, like, Oh, well it would, it would, um, it would add additional like steering input in the event of a collision to mitigate potential damage from it or avoid uh, like it was such vague language that like and there was and you couldn't test it there was no way to know if it worked or not or what it did and no one from mercedes could ever explain it to me i've never seen a video of anyone uh using it and i fear that uh the eqs might be a decent ev which is more of the same just more of the same and i'm hoping that like lucid isn't more of the same just like piling on mountains of features because what we really need people to get excited about, and this is something that Tesla's figured out, but other brands haven't really is how to get owners excited about their cars and excited about safety, whether or not Tesla functionalities actually are safer is up for debate because there's a lot of exaggeration, but you don't see a lot of owners of other brands really getting excited about how much safer their cars are. It's because manufacturers aren't doing a good job of, explaining it even in an honest way. And that, that EQS review was, it was perfect. And yet Mercedes didn't give us or Tamara or anyone enough meat about safety and we deserve it. Like we, are people are willing to pay for it. And it's like, where's that? Well, where's that? I'm probably going to be in the S class later uh, this month or next month, I'm guessing. So I'll be, you know, hands-on with ADAS system, I will say, though, Alex, I think one of the reasons why people don't get, quote unquote, excited about the safety features and functions is because there's no other company except, you know, except Tesla that pushes the capability publicly of their systems. Like I was just uh, in a a Hyundai uh, Tucson and it has actually quite a good adaptive cruise and, and lane keeping quite good, but they're not like t- tweeting about it and, you know, like going so, overboard about it. And so people so aren't Kirsten, about it. At the time that Alex is talking about, actually, Mercedes did run an ad saying the self-driving car is here, showing a, an E-class. Um, oh, yeah, and, the F- and the FTC made them take it down. No, so no, no, I, think- I remember that. I'm saying right now, like right. Mercedes yeah. hasn't done that recently. Right. I'm just talking about the vehicles today that have a good, pretty decent systems, advanced driver assistance systems. And uh, yeah, like you don't see anyone doing backflips over like the new Hyundai Tucson and it's amazing, you know, ADAS, like, but it actually quite good. What would be awesome is the E-Class in 2016 had a rear radar and they had this thing back then, I think the EQS has it too, which was uh, like, I don't know, impact assist. So like, uh, right before a crash, there's a, a sound is transmitted through the speakers to protect your ears. And there's the seatbelt pretensioning. And I think the rear radar in the E-class does, uh, detects a rear impact and that 
triggers in combination with other sensors, all these interior features um, that make it safer than other cars, I'm guessing. Like I would, where's the commercial or video where that is shown? Like we have a rear radar and no one else does, or we use our rear radar to make you safer than other cars. You should buy this car because, because let me tell you, that is very convincing to me. The, the presence of a sensor like that uh, is really powerful. I mean, I got a baby. I'm like I care, I care really deeply, and yet I don't even know what that sensor does. Does it do anything? They've had it for six years. What's going on? Like I don't know. The the scary part of all of this is, and we've discussed this before, but um, is that you know it raises the question of you know do people actually really want safety out of these systems? They do, people right? do. They do. Some, yeah. some people do. Sold, but I think there's sold quite a few myth. And all cars are equally safe, except that the center of like safety gravity has shifted from cars and brands to like uh, the back to the drivers, which is weird because not all ADAS and safety systems are the same. They're just not. And, uh, and just like all autonomous vehicle companies are not the same. And, and we've been sold this bill of goods, which just isn't real. Um, yeah. and, I, and I think the real challenge is that people, you need to actually understand this technology, not just the, the automation part of it, but, but with the driver assistance, also the human interaction piece of it in order to, you know, accurately judge sort of, you know, who, who's got a good approach and who Kirsten, doesn't. You know what you, Kirsten, this is our tech crunch. Kirsten, I want yeah. you to in, implement, because you're the best there is now, <laughs> like an HMI score for ADAS. An ADAS HMI score. Like, because that correlates to safety. That, that, I would love to see that. And only you can do it. Sounds hard. Yeah. yeah. Uh, thanks you know, for not. giving me that assignment. But you and Tamara and the crew, who's better equipped in media today? to assemble like that and figure out what that is. Yeah. I mean, that's an entirely whole other project. And if you want to, you know, get me the budget to do that, Alex, I will happily do that for you. Yeah. Kelly and Liza. Consumer Reports, you know, has been doing a little bit of that, right? Yes, they have. Uh, and and Edmonds, Edmonds has too. Why is it that almost all the best people Experts or journalists covering this are women. Have you noticed that? Liza, Kirsten, Kelly, Missy, right? I mean, I think it's interesting. Mm. So speaking of safety, we're, yeah. we are getting a little low on time here. And I, I wanted to make sure, um, since Alex is far too modest and bashful to, to mention it. Yeah, um, he is a I, terrible self-promoter. In fact, he never... <laughs> Uh, I, I wanted to I wanted to mention that I had the uh, the pleasure of reading um, Argo AI's uh, voluntary safety self assessment uh, just in the last few days. Uh, it, it just came out. Um, it, I recommend reading it because I think it does exactly what what Alex was kind of just saying, which is you know pe people need to be able to understand people who are not even who are not experts in this stuff need to be able to have some sense. Of of what safety means in a in a real way, because safety so often is just, you know, talked about in in bromides and platitudes, right? That that don't really mean anything, and and it's actually, and I've definitely grown an appreciation for this in the last year of working at at Pave. It's really hard to take these really complex 
um, you know, not just this, the system itself, you know, and, and we're talking about a fully autonomous vehicle here. So we don't have as much of the human interaction piece, but there is still because people are testing this. And, and not only are, do VSSAs like explain sort of how, why the company thinks or, or how they determine the safety of the, of the actual technology itself, but they also have to talk about, you know, why their, their actual development process is safe. And I have to say, like, you know, and I think one of the things that gives me a lot of hope uh, about the AV space is that I feel like companies are getting better at this and, and there's kind of more competition now to, to sort of disclose more and, and do a better job of explaining sort of AV safety to people. And I think that uh, this Argo one was a really positive step in that direction. So um, Alex, I have no idea how, how, how involved you were with it, but um, you know, if it wasn't you, please pass along my my compliments to uh, to those who were involved. I would like to say that it was all me, but it was not. Uh, I my role in it was so small that I I'm almost in, embarrassed. But uh, I'm proud to be. I'm proud to at least work at the company that will put out such a document. Uh, I'm also very proud to see that uh, a gentleman at, at Cruise, a, um, a competitor. Um, David Silver, I think, uh, tweeted this morning that he really liked it too. Uh, I think we need more more transparency from uh, anyone who wants to put autonomous vehicles on the road uh, and claim to be, you know, improving safety. So mm-hmm. we'll we've been talking about we were talking about this a bit before um, the show, and there are increasing examples of companies putting out pretty quality documents. And we had mentioned, you know, some of the ones that rose to the top, uh, Kodiak was up there. Ike, which is now part of Neuro, right. but I put, right. put out something pretty, pretty thoughtful. Um, Ed, was there a couple of other ones that you had mentioned? I mean, I I've seen people be critical of, of sort of St- Starsky's sort of safety and related, but like, I thought they, I thought there, it, it was not sort of a marketing document. That was for sure. It, it, I think it was, you know, a pretty in-depth um, thing, but, but I think the reality is, is that what makes this so hard is that it's not just about disclosing more. I think that that is that, you know, I think the trend needs to continue in that direction, but I think the, the what makes it really hard is disclosing more, um, giving a more real granular sense while still making it approachable. And I think very few, and that's what I really especially like about the Argo one. It, it was, I don't know if it was like the most disclosure we've seen from a company. Like, like you know, I look forward to seeing more, you know, road test data like like Waymo has has put out uh, from Argo and from everyone in this space. Um, but it, what it really did do well was um, really help make, again, the system itself, but also the process and the culture that goes into developing it, like like representing that in an in a comprehensible way without crossing over into, you know, sort of marketing platitudes. And and that's hard. And again, like I, you know, I think as a reporter, you know, you you definitely deal with 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 that kind of challenge in a certain kind of way, but like developing educational materials at Pave um has really made me appreciate like, you know, when you think about, you know, okay, cuz cuz especially as a reporter, like I tended to write for more of a like insider like you know, expertish kind of audience or expert adjacent audience. And, and when you have to then really write something that, you know, you can put in front of anyone and start to get them to understand this stuff, it really changes how, how you think about a lot of these things. And um, like I said, it, it makes me really appreciate when, when folks do a good job of that. So 
And with that, um, I'm sure we can be waiting for Tesla's VSSA any day now. Yeah. Um, so that, and that's right. And that's the, the deal is that like the, the biggest outlier in the AV space and the company with the most uh, driving automation related deaths on their, on their butcher bill uh, well, is, I mean, is also one of the only far, isn't it? They, no. who, who else has more uh, ADAS involved deaths that we know of? I don't, I, I can't think of any. So I'm, and, and they don't have a VSSA is my point. And I think that, you know, if Tesla, I certainly would, could start to get to a point where I could be more, you know, somewhat comfortable with, with the things that they're doing. If they were even trying to put out, whether it's a VSSA or a safety case, or just some, some kind of, you know, comprehensive explanation of why they think that the way they're doing things is is safe and they haven't done that. Is there any automaker out there who has released any kind of safety related document related to their advanced driver assistance system? I mean, it's so that the VSSAs are not for. No, ADAS, I know that, really. but I, I said, I, I didn't use that language. I, yeah, so yeah. If you want, if you want Tesla to do it, then I would recommend that other companies do it as well. I meant more for for full self driving than for than for autopilot, and and to the extent that the line between them is unclear, uh-huh. okay. um, that you know that's that's not my fault. Got it. Got it. Um, well, I think. On that that, note. Yeah. On that note, how about we just do a shout out to our uh, audience and say thank you for listening to another episode of the Atonicast. <laughs>